Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max. And joining me here in the booth is... Gideon. And today, we are going to be talking about two uh, very interesting David Fincher films, one being Fight Club from... uh, What year was that? 99, maybe. 1999. And the other one is uh, Mank, which came out very, very, very recently. This last weekend, yeah. So, uh, what do you want to talk about first, Gideon? Um, I'm, I've chosen the last couple of weeks. I'm going to leave it up to you. You can pick. I want to talk about Fight Club first, because usually first film in our repertoire goes a little longer, and I have much more to say about Fight Club than I do Mank. Yeah. I like um, going chronological anyways. Yeah. So, uh, with Fight Club, it's an interesting film, uh, you know, I think it's old enough where we can get into some spoilers. I definitely don't want to spoil, like, the ending of this, but to talk about the the main theme of it, because I always recall, like, whenever anybody brought up Fight Club, you know, when they were You're talking about, talk it, about it. Yeah, and that's always, like, the running joke. But uh, <laughs> um, I do want to speak a little bit about the uh, general plot of it and see where we where we can go from there without spoiling too much. Um it's about Ed Norton's character. Uh, I'm trying to remember the the fellow's name. I mean, he doesn't actually they don't ever actually say his name. They say, to call him, he's credited as the narrator. Okay, so I didn't realize that. No wonder I'm like totally missing out on a name there. So the narrator who's played by Ed Norton uh is this uh how would I say it? Like a financial <laughs> consultant yeah. for an insurance. No, well, no, no. For like car for, for a car company. Car company and to assess they, the amount yeah. of of you know risk reward in doing a recall for certain failures in their cars. Um, he's not doing well in life. He's got insomnia, and he right off the, at the beginning, like he finds out that he he kind of gets some therapeutic relief and and. Gets finally gets some sleep uh, when he goes to these self help meetings for all sorts of different things. All sorts Can- of different cancer, things. Cancer, you know, a lot of comedy comes from that. Yeah, <laughs> cancer, you know, tapeworms, like anything you can think of. Like these, so yeah. he's going to all these different, you know, groups. You know, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and all these things, and he kind of through that, I guess, reaches an emotional catalyst, and and finally is able to like calm his mind enough and, and sleep and, again and sleep. Um, and I don't know if they're kind of saying like he finds their lives worse than his, his own and it gives him some sort of uh, relief. I always felt like that's how I was kind of interpreting it, like why he would be in, enjoying it because I think he needed to see that he, he wasn't yeah. the worst off. I think it's kind of just like he is – alone in life a lot of and he kind of like is able to be around other people but like also the fact that he's just kind of like emotionally draught like he's in he's an insomniac because he isn't he doesn't feel anything and so like it's like you said he's kind of seeing other people 
emotionally. It's it's a weird thing. Like none yeah. of this, like all the plot, the part of this movie is just like all the things that they go, where it starts and where it ends up is just it goes to some really crazy places. Yeah, and it's like it the does. fact like he he's basically going to these places to get this like emotional uh, catharsis that's that allows him to kind of feel again more or less mm-hmm. um, and then and then marla sanger comes in and he's like now he can't feel anymore because he knows, because that she knows that she's she's faking, faking as well like he is, so it makes himself con- like aware of the fact that he's faking mm-hmm. rather than like it's almost like he's he's vicariously feeling something through other people well and so when he, he he's realizing he's a hypocrite that no, it's right. like he and can't be what, mad at her without being mad at himself because the reason he's correct. mad at her is because she's faking it and that's, and that's exactly what he's, what he's doing. And so then he goes and stops her, but then eventually he meets Brad Pitt's character, Tyler Durden. Yep, on a business trip. On a business trip, and then he kind of is like, well, I don't need these things anymore because I found the same thing but in a different way Yeah, Fight Club, which is fighting, which is, again, finding, like, it's like getting that, emo- that like, it, that visceral high emotion off of, but instead of off of other people's pain, it's off of, it's a, Again, pain, but in just a literal. Well, I, I, the way I see it, it's like him really feeling alive, that r- rush of adrenaline that he's well, not right. getting in yeah. his docile, you know, office job sort of life, and and when he begins to. But it all it all exists through pain, right? So like yeah. you've got the beginning opening, like they're all feeling pain, and they're like sharing. But like in Fight Club is like that, but like ratcheted up to another level where mm-hmm. they're literally punching each other in the face just to feel something. Yeah, it's so messed up. Yeah, so so they start doing underground fights, and it just, he's living with Tyler then in this, like, decrepit house that looks like the one from It, uh, you know? Yeah, it kind of does, you're right. I, I saw them walking up to that, I'm like, oh, a little bit Pennywise of, about to pop out. Yeah, right? It really almost does look like the exact house. It's just different setting around it. Like, it's not a little field, it's just junk and stuff, but, um, yeah, they, so he's living there with, with him in this old house, and... You know, he's kind of giving up all the things that was tying him down in regular life. He's he's living. Yeah, but see, that's okay. That's the weird. That's the thing about the movie. It's set. The movie is telling you that he's giving. The movie's telling you that he's giving up those things that he that that are bringing him down in life. But like, you can't trust the movie when it tells you that. That's the thing. Well, like the the fact like it's it's these two extremes that he ends up going to mm-hmm. because he's going to like from. From being completely passive and like filling his house up with things and then completely going the complete other direction where he's yeah. like, there's nothing, nothing matters. Literally, we can live in a house with garbage. Like, yeah, and he starts not- to act more and more like his roommate. Right. Um, Tyler Durden. And so yep. the fact, but the fact that like he blows up his, or the apartment gets blown up. Um, right at the beginning. That's the, beginning the catalyst of why he starts why to room with Tyler's because Tyler's he's homeless he's and he home. has nobody, nobody to... Right, but so my point is that the assessment that his his house and his things and everything in it and his entire livelihood is entirely a bad thing is not necessarily correct, uh, even though that's what the movie explicitly tells us. Like, you can't trust a single thing that this movie throw is my point as far as, like, the movie's philosophy. Like, mm-hmm. you can't trust anything that it's explicitly telling you because all of it's done through people who are morally decrepit and yeah. untrustworthy. Interesting. <laughs> like, the whole movie's an unreliable narrator itself. Yeah. Not to mention this, like Edward Norton, who himself, the narrator, is an unreliable narrator. I um, I love Ed Norton as an actor. I I think he's awesome. I was so happy that this performance is just so. I mean, it's so solid for for everybody. Um, and I think he just really, really did a great job. Did he win anything for this? This was not uh 
super liked by critics. Liked, yeah, just in general. I think it, it was more of a common man's movie. Well, no, it wasn't even like I think this is very much a cult classic in a lot of ways. Like it wasn't just at, at the time. I don't think it was received super well. I don't think it made that much money. Mm. Um, I'm trying to see. It was nominated for one Oscar which was best sound effects editing. <laughs> sound so. effects were solid. Sound effects were very solid. Um, <laughs> I love what they do early on. I wish they would have kept it going throughout this thing. Just And it, this will come into look and feel later too, but they bring up a point about intercutting one uh, frame from yep. one reel onto another, yep. and it happens in, like three times in like the first five minutes of the film. And uh, I wish I would have just kept doing it, like every every couple minutes, just throw another one in, throw another Wait, one in. Of Tyler Durden, you mean? No, well, like it. So right at the beginning, when he's at those those self self help meetings and stuff, Tyler Durden pops up. I yeah, right. I think it's him. I don't know. I wasn't able to time it right when no, I yeah, tried to Tyler pause Durden. it. I saw. I mean, somebody in a red T shirt at one point. I didn't see the other ones. I no, know there yeah, were like three. All, it happens like three times. So like basically, yeah. what happens there is like he Tyler Durden pops up on a single frame, and then eventually he says, um, he's going to the airport and says, "If you fall asleep for not long enough, could you eventually wake up as a different person?" And then at, and then Brad Pitt is uh, again. You see him going down the 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 what what's that walking walking sidewalk? Is that what that's called? Yeah, he 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 goes by him. Yeah, but they that's the first that time point. you see him. That's the first. No, that's not well, the first time because you got to count the flashing frames. But like, <laughs> and then but they, they don't meet at that point, and then they meet on the plane later. So the yeah. idea is that the Tyler Durden character is like flashing, flashing, and then eventually like slowly, slowly becoming more and more into reality, if that's the best way to phrase that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty. I mean, it, he's slowly getting into like the narrator's life there. Yes. Exactly. I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm giving you a look. Yeah, yes, I, know I understand. You, and people who great. know people who know the movie are know exactly yeah. what you're saying. So I, I'm just trying to save everyone because I went through this spoiler free here, and uh, I it didn't. definitely well the first time. I feel bad because feel bad for you because that I don't remember even where I where I where I I I was so happy. This was a great movie. I was I was super thrilled. I think it really picks up last 45 minutes. You you if you pick it up I at mean, like hour thirty like one hour thirty minutes into this that's when I'm like really super into it the plot's like awesome it, no, and, you're right it do, it does get into I mean but that's what the best climaxes are gonna do right yeah. they're gonna they're gonna go and then eventually you're gonna hit a point and everything's gonna like come together it's kind of like the thing that I think Christopher Nolan said this about Dunkirk he designed Dunkirk to be in a, a climax the entire movie if that makes sense mm-hmm. um but that's a different thing but like the the, the best climaxes are going to be like you're going to set up everything and then yeah. and then everything at the at the end is going to dovetail and mm-hmm. as and, and as a result of it dovetailing it's going to eventually uh get like more and more and more and more intense and that's true but i don't think that necessarily discounts what happens what happens before that because that's still all really interesting like it's just there's so much crazy stuff that happens it's just this, like yeah. like it just throws so much random stuff at you it's funny too like it, this it this pretty, film yeah. throws in some pretty good jokes and uh it's very intense and i was telling you before we started uh recording here um and going live that i think we should have done this with falling down because these falling down in this both have very pessimistic looks at uh, society at large. I mean, this we movie. I mean, it, it it gets to a point. It gets to a point where it's very just like the Fight Club stuff starts to evolve and become something more, and then they're fighting all these you know cap, uh, capitalist culture sort yeah. of things, and. <clears throat> 
Um, so that's what this is. It's very anti just, you know, uh, consumer culture. Whereas falling down is is more like the de-evolution of just the common man's like, I, I don't want to say goodwill, but like, you know, common values are are falling apart and sure. people aren't as good as they used to be and things aren't aren't great. And it's, it, it is, I mean, you see some of that, you see some of that in Fight Club too, because you've yeah. got like, uh, just basically like the, the dangers of, I don't want to use the term, but toxic masculinity is probably mm. the best the buzzword that's been used nowadays uh, i don't um, know i didn't i wasn't picking up on those vibes honestly oh, but I, that's definitely in here uh, regardless because there's definitely a lot of like i felt there male was energy happening. i felt like there was top if 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 and it's i like the, i hate using the term if know, there was any it's, time it's of toxic word that's a really annoying thing to say but like it is true of this particular film the only time i felt that there was any true toxic masculinity was the way that they sort of right at the beginning use the people in the testicular cancer group as as a comedic buffer and they kind of just make them out to be a joke that was the only time i've ever seen like toxic masculinity because well, what, at that point you're looking at it through a certain lens of what, I, that. what i mean is that the fact that like you've got the fight club and they're literally like these these men who have who have grown up in a culture that has inadequately addressed the way that they're that they're male so it's like they're suppressed aggression and, yeah. has been designed to be used and they're using it incorrectly and they have no way to to process those emotions as mm. men and again that's the testicular stuff does play into that right because you've got like we are no longer men and they and they feel like they've been supplanted by the culture at large and then by the time that you get to the fight club this like the only way that they are able to yeah. use that even though obviously fight club is the incorrect way to use that um mm-hmm. again it's a thing about the, the movie uh spewing lies and perversity um in that way like it, it it's literally showing them doing fight club and fight club is not exactly <laughs> yeah not a healthy way to to live life is by going and beating each other to a pulp every every week um <laughs> but that's or the even that even more like can find that ed norton gets to a point where he's like doing it like every couple days well right and then obviously it evolves past that to yeah. even worse in product yeah. mayhem yep All right, well, when we come back, we're going to start scoring uh, Fight Club, so stick around. On Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we invite accomplished people on our show to answer the truly difficult questions. Their reaction is refreshing. The next time you have questions like that, ask somebody else. All right, (laughs) thank you. At least we try. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the news quiz from NPR. Saturday morning at 9 and Sunday at noon on the Ideas Network. And we're back here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. Gideon and I are reviewing Fight Club. Gideon, what is our first category here? All right, first category is first impression. Just so you know, you're making a pretty bad first impression. I So this was the first time I ever saw it. I watched it last night. Uh, wow, was I impressed with this. And what's funny is that, like... My thoughts kind of going out of this were, wow, David Fincher had such an awesome film with this, and our next one I thought was just very, it was bad, in I mean, my I think, opinion. But. I, I'm going to interrupt you here. The Fincher's catalog overall is just a really interesting thing to look at. Yeah, what else general. has he done? Okay, so he's done Social Network, Zodiac, Fight Club 7, Gone Girl, Benjamin Button, Mank, Panic Room, The Game, and Alien 3, and uh, Dra- Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Wow. That's the only one I haven't seen is the last one. Talk but about varying genres. <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, his filmography is just really interesting, um, and I love 
uh, most of his movies, probably at least half of them I love. Um, the other half I think are mostly good. Benjamin the only Button's bad one good. I've seen is Alien 3. Benjamin Button I liked. Uh, Social Network I liked. Um, I mean, Social Network is my second favorite movie of all time, so yeah. there's that also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But uh, but for my first impressions with this, I was I was very much impressed. I really liked the movie pretty much all the way through. It I mean, it really didn't take long to pick up speed and yeah it picks up speed in a really interesting way though right like it's it's part of the part of the way it picks up speed and pick, at least picks up maybe not speed but but like uh gains your attention yes like it gains your attention as a viewer by simply showing you something so like i think it's like that first five minutes when he like literally walks into the cave and and the penguin looks at him and says slide, slide. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what he's like meditating. I'm watching. Well, he's right like now? he's like meditating through this. Through this, the, yes, he's meditating through the 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 cancer help the cancer group. club. It's like, uh, but it's cancer club. That's a weird way of saying that. <laughs> that's the the sequel to Fight Club is Cancer Club. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, it it is odd, but I think it de- yeah it definitely picks up speed. Uh, you know, because they introduce uh, I, I don't want to say an antagonist, but like a pseudo antagonist. Uh, right at the beginning. She doesn't really. I mean, she kind of stays as an antagonist for a while, but I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't classify her as a traditional one because I she's think, not what's propelling the story forwards. No, after a while, yeah, I would definitely say. Well, I would it, say that Tyler Durden is your is your opponent structurally. Yeah, it's um, it's not and Marla. Marla Sanger is like a. I would say, according to John Truby's The Anatomy of Story, would probably be categorized as a fake opponent ally. Yeah. Um. In that she kind of appears That's a good- at the beginning as a. Um, opponent and kind of working towards him and they're competing with each other for who's going to attend which club mm-hmm. um, and then eventually she becomes kind of his ally in some ways yeah it, it it's a weird evolution it's hard to explain yeah. we could be sitting here all day but my first impressions of this I would say would be a oh I want to say an 8 out of 10 I liked it I liked it a lot but it wasn't like you know it wasn't just so jaw-droppingly amazing this first watch through, but I definitely liked it. I would watch it again in a heartbeat. I would recommend it to people. It was a great movie. Yeah, I've seen this movie a lot. I think probably like five or six times. Um, and this is a weird one for me because like over the years, it's been kind of like I really like this movie and I really admire it and kind of like what it's doing in, uh, uh, in terms of like filmmaking. Like Fincher's always got this like sleek uh, modernity to his filmmaking. And that's something I really appreciate, but at the same time, it's like there's so much garbage in this movie. Um, like, like I said, there's so much perversity and just stuff that you don't really want to watch <laughs> over and over again. But I've seen it so many times because it's such a, a fascinating uh, film and the, the way it's constructed. Um, and so, like, I've gone up and down in my rating just as far as like what, it, like, how much of that is merited in terms of criticism as far as like the bad things that it portrays and like how much like is it is it commenting on those bad things and 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 doing saying something interesting enough to to merit portraying those awful things and i'm kind of like at this point i'm on it's like about it's like goes up and down basically and i'm right now i'm on the upside of that Mm -hmm. i guarantee next time i watch it i'll be on the downside of it so what's your so right now i'm at a nine next time it'll probably be like an eight or seven or not it won't it probably won't go down to seven but i'm at a nine right now i don't know yeah i don't know what it was that was holding me back from a nine movie um, it's, it's somewhere right on the line though. It really, I think you'd remove just a couple things or maybe just switch some things up early on, like right at the beginning, maybe it would have ended up as a nine for me, but I think definitely like the 
second half of this movie is for sure a a, a yeah. nine. I mean, you um, know, my 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 ranking thing is weird. So like, if I have top my top, I have everything from one to one hundred fifty all ranked. Mm. So like, if it's top forty is ten, and then everything after that before one fifty is nine, and then if it goes to out of one fifty and it goes down to an eight, got it. After that, I don't have any numbers, but you okay. know. This hits in the top 150, so it's a 9. So you're saying it's a 9. Okay, I said it was an 8. Next category is... And, uh... Uh, for this, I was a big fan of the story. I like... Typically, I don't like stories that kind of match the uh, climax of this. And I don't want to say what it is. It's too spoilery. But typically for me, I, I go against the grain. I say it's the opposite of what it, it, it maintains what you think throughout the whole thing. That's usually my way of feeling with it, like like with Shutter Island or Sixth Sense or anything yeah. like that. I'm always the one that's saying like, nah, they're they're lying, you know, or something like that. Or it's it, I always say that there's some weird foul play you just don't see in the film. This one, I do completely agree with the way that they they structured this whole thing. And I, I agree with all that. I was very pleased with the movie throughout. Um, I would say a nine out of 10 story for me. Yeah. Again, this is, this kind of is the same thing that I was saying before about like the, does the movie earn what it's, what it's doing in terms of like, uh, portraying depravity. And I think that's probably the, the case with a lot of Fincher's films. Um, and just the way that they, they portray darkness, um, like seven Zodiac gone girl, uh, specifically, um, and I think this is probably the least clear of those three. Um, I mean, Social Network actually, the reason I like Social Network so much is because it portrays that darkness in a really, in a really subtle way um, and portrays like the way that the, like the male gaze, for example, or like the way that the internet is used poorly and like, it, and the darkness behind the internet, but you don't, you have to kind of like, it's not it's not explicit in the way it does that. Whereas Zodiac seven gone girl fight club all really are. Um, but of those last four, I feel like fight club is the least clear on its topic, um, compared to something like seven or gone girl. Um, and I think that's where I, I wrestle with its story because I can't, it's hard for me to determine. Like, I still don't know what fight club is intending to mean because it has all these different, like you said, philosoph uh, philosophical ideas that it throws at you. Um, but it throws those at you from a whole bunch of different perspectives and it's just difficult to turn, to synthesize those all into, into a single, um, like it's kind of like the screw tape. C.S. Lewis is the screw tape letters where you've got, uh, a devil writing a letter to his, to his, um, you know, I think it's his cousin, his younger devil cousin. And so it's all like literally everything he says is a lie, but then there's like where, okay, so where do you find the truth in it? Something like the screw tape letters though, I find much easier to determine like what, Lewis's overall perspective is mm. and what he's actually trying to say. Whereas with Fight Club, it's so, it's just often very difficult for me to be like, yeah, but I don't really know why. Like, it's just, I think I've got an idea, but again, it's not it's not as clear as I want it to be at this point. And I don't know if that makes it a good movie or a bad movie I, or, or a, a, good, a better movie or a worse movie. What's your score for story then? Uh, <laughs> I haven't even thought about it. Uh, I'm gonna go with eight, just because, okay. like, again, it's that thing where it's like very solid. But I feel like yes. if I could come away with a thematic, uh, a clear thematic point, it could go higher. But then again, it, it gets points for me because it is also subtle. Because I do, I am feeling something thematically. It's just I'm not able to articulate it yet. And that again is a is a good thing if a film can do that. If a film can communicate something to you mm -hmm. without explicitly 
stating that what it, even though it's taking obviously it's it's stating thematic things it's just not stating what it's in its thematic intention is to it's, me it it's seemed, a complicated thing to I me the main one that. seemed clear that it just seems anti uh consumer culture right and that's but, and that's its main thing but i think but there's there just are a lot more subtleties yeah. yeah there are more than just that one just, thing being Starbucks said. is yeah. if you consume Starbucks every day and waste yeah. your money on that, you're stupid. Like yeah, that's not an anti IKEA says like, that, and that probably yeah. is a very clear thing that you can take away from it. But it's it's not yeah. the only thing it's saying. Um, also, so you said it was the what was the one film you were just mentioning? Screw tape. What? Oh, it's not a film. It's a book. Oh, because I was thinking if that was a film, is that anything like uh, uh, Big Fish? <laughs> you know, I haven't like, actually seen Big Fish. But oh, Screw Tape Letters is a really interesting book. Okay, I would recommend it to everybody. All right, got it. Um, then our next category is and this I think is the film's crown jewel I think everybody is just off Off the the charts and yeah exactly I would say off the chain more than off the charts but (laughs) I think everybody was perfect yeah like I couldn't think of a single bad uh a single bad performance I couldn't I mean, even from the 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 secondary characters or the you know the the D list characters, nobody was bad. Everybody was really, really, really consistently good. Nobody had an issue. Uh, like I, I, I think this tone. is. I think tone is the big thing, right? Yep. Everybody. Like, you look at somebody like Meatloaf, who's giving like that really weird character, like a really odd tone, but he's like he's matching the tone of the character needs to be for the movie, even though it's like really odd. Right, you know what I mean. What, like, what character? What are you talking about? Uh, Robert Paulson. That's Meatloaf. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, I don't know. I don't really. I guess I don't really know what he looks like off the top of my head. Uh, I thought he did a great job with that too. No, I I would give this a ten out of ten. Everybody's acting is, is flawless. I I I have no qualms whatsoever with anybody's performance. Yeah, I'm. I I just love Brad Pitt so much. He's he's solid. Like, uh, everything he's every like he's one I, I think he might be my favorite actor now i'm not even kidding like i like because everything he does i just love so like once upon a time in hollywood seven uh tree of life like he's just got such like tree of like tree of compare tree of life to tyler durden like how do like those are two like not even in the same like league of things like tree of life he's like subtle but also like has this anger but it's like it's, it's a very human performance whereas tyler durden in fight club is just like you don't even know how I, to even perceive him but like tyler and this reminds me of uh chris hemsworth in um bad times at the El royale oh dude i totally see that like the same kind of vibe they kind of standoffish but very deep thinking <laughs> you know like uh yeah intellectuals yeah just, and they have like this chaotic energy to them yep. too where they're like you're not really exactly sure what they're gonna do next and that's my and and chris hemsworth and bad times of the royale is my favorite uh villain in any film ever so uh, yeah, i think i think tyler durden is a little bit more of an interesting character to me just because he's got like more psychologically happening mm-hmm. um but i mean yeah for sure yeah I mean, and Ed Norton. I think honestly, Brad Pitt's giving a better performance than Ed Norton. But I mean, then you're just comparing. I I love Ed Norton. I, greatness. I've never seen a bad Ed Norton film. I I I think he's the best Hulk ever. I I I just love everything. It's a shame. I've heard that he's kind of a nightmare to work with, like behind the scenes, because yeah. he always wants to like co-write like whatever Have he's you seen in. Birdman. Um, I'm trying to think if I did. I feel like I did. It's hilarious because in that film, he's also kind of like just a he's an actor that's a jerk. Oh. <laughs> So that's just, I mean, it's just hilarious how, how and that film does some other interesting metatextual things, but yeah. What's your score then for acting? Um, 
I'm not feeling an I'm not feeling a ten. I'm gonna do nine. Okay. Um, I, I I might say ten, but I'm just not feeling it at the That's moment. That's fine. That's fine. Um, if you if it, see with scores, the thing is like we have to do it on such snap notice that other I don't really have time. It's not to like end. you like, don't know. <laughs> I mean that we're gonna be scoring I know, but these I, the categories. Thing is, I don't do it ahead of time. I never do. I always just do it on the spot, and I don't know if that makes my score better or worse. But it's always <laughs> just like ah, I kind of feel like this. So don't well, take me too that, harshly if you think this is incorrect because it probably is. I always tr- like to do these reviews right after I watch the film because. That way it's the most fresh in my mind yeah. and I, I feel the most raw about this, especially a new film because then I can do effect and first impressions so, so um, accurately. Uh, look and feel then is our next category. I got a bad feeling about this. And uh, this I think is a little worse. I, I think sometimes the way that they decided to film things, I, I see that they're trying to be a little artsy like with the it. the way CG stuff? Like the, some the of the CG, CG was camera. terrible, actually. I mean, it's, well, yeah, it is <laughs> very, it early is very on. obviously CG when it's like, you know, the swooping camera movement. But again, it's like, it's a, I'm okay with that because it is like, it's Fincher just like going all out. And, and he does that, he kind of does a similar thing. It looks better and he uses a similar technique in Panic Room. And the technique is a little bit more polished there the, this, um, where he's like literally moving through things. Um, that he shouldn't be able to move through because they're CG. So in Panic Room, it just they're more typical household items, and he's the camera's moving. So it's like, I don't know. This one felt like it was somewhere between a regular movie and uh, Cure for Wellness from a visual standpoint. It was like just in between those two because Cure for Wellness is very stylized, very dark and 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 grim, and like the even the the bright colors like are so. Um, uh, what's the what's the term for that? Like kind of matted and whatever. But this one kind of seemed in between. But yeah, you bring up the the CGI, which for a moment I forgot. But yeah, the CGI looks terrible in in the few times they use it, uh, except yeah, for the very also, end. I don't mind the end. To be, it is intended to be stylized though, so I don't I don't I don't mark it. It's like it's not intended to look realistic necessarily. So I don't necessarily mark it off for that. And um, I I don't know. I would give the the look and feel on this. Uh, oh man, I'm between a six or a seven. It's the only thing I didn't really enjoy too much on this. I'm going to go with a six just because you, you brought that up. That reminded me of that, and it took me out of the movie. I remember that. Yeah, so I think I mean, I mean think it, it does. It's look and feel very much matches its narrative. It's very grimy, but at the same time, it has David Fincher's uh, uh, precise camera movements and, uh, and very quick, like at times, like it's editing is everything that needs. Like it's very, it's very much a... a um, David Fincher's films often feel like a machine, kind of in the way that they function and the way that they that they progress. Um, but they they the the best ones have that human element to them still, and and it's and it and their purpose obviously comes along with that too. And I think that this the visual design of this and the way that it 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 does feel dirty, but it also has that kind of more fantastical element to it. Uh, definitely adds, a, and I think I think just the vision, yeah. like it just it, that was good. I I liked the general feel of it, but there were issues with just one or two scenes where it just it pulled me out. I got you, and I, I don't I don't necessarily mark it down for that. Um, so if, if it's enough to pull me out, that's when it gets a real demotion for, from sure. Me. If it does pull you out, that's definitely not good. But it didn't it didn't pull me out personally. Mm. Um, and I think and I think for me, the way that it thematically impacts the story is more important than it whether or not it pulls me out, anyways. So I'm going to go with a eight or nine. I'm going to go with a nine. I think it really is. It really does look the way that it like it's and well, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Then our final category is. It's going to have a psychological effect on how the audience perceives you. Our final category is effect here. And uh, 
again, I was very pleased with this movie. I, I enjoyed it a ton, especially that last 45 minutes. Like, and I, I love it when a movie, when the ending yeah, of a movie is better than the beginning. And, uh, I think this was probably a nine out of 10 for me. It was, if I don't know what it could have done that would have made it just a little bit better, but man, was I feeling, feeling it after this. Yeah, it was good. This is definitely the category that affects most my first impression when I was saying about how it goes up and down and up and down and up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's times where I've watched this movie and the effect has been like a six because it's been like I appreciate everything that's happening, but mm-hmm. it's like I just don't have a great time watching it um, because after a while you watch it so many times and you kind of get the rhythm of everything and it's like the 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 crazy places it's going less so impresses you as like, okay, wow, they really just did that. And more so it was just like, wow, that's disgusting. I don't like watching this. Um, but this time I was kind of like vibing with the rhythm and the way the pacing works and the way that everything clicks along um, and overall. But again, there's just some things where it's just like, it just makes me feel icky. And it's like, I don't like that part of it. And and that doesn't necessarily make it, again, it doesn't necessarily make me a bad, it make it a bad movie, but it does make it so that I don't enjoy the experience as much. So I think eight is a proper score for me here. Just curious was it like the part with the the lie the the um the chemical no it wasn't that no it's not that it's okay because that's just like yeah it's not that you know what part bothered me the most but it kind of redeemed itself so we'll leave it at that but all right when we come back we will start uh, talking about david fincher's other film his most recent one that just came out a few days ago mank so stick around there was this one time i went camping with my parents in a forest back when i was maybe like eight or nine It was amazing. We could hear the sounds of the forest all around us. Frogs singing and owls calling and a creek nearby. I'll definitely never forget it. Most of us have a memory of being in nature we'll never forget. Let's protect the world's natural places so more memories can be made for generations to come. Visit worldwildlife.org. Welcome back to Script to Screen here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. Gideon and I are about to talk about the movie Mank, David Fincher's latest film. Scores for the last, for Fight Club. What is the final score for Fight Club? All right, final score for Fight Club. And it is our fourth 85 of the semester. Yeah. Come on, no way. (laughs) Wow, that is ridiculous. Yep. I love that. I mean, that's like, how does that keep happening? I don't know. We're, I mean, I feel like we're given like totally different stores every time, but it somehow keeps ending up that way. One of us is, I mean, one of us has to be doing like a what? The, well, we'll worry about that later, but that's just, that's just hilarious. But uh, Mank, uh, David Fincher's latest film, which is about uh, Mankiewicz, the guy who wrote. Um, yeah, Herman J. Mankiewicz, the Mankiewicz. writer of Citizen Kane. Yeah. Would you say he deserves all the writing credit, or do you think uh, they kind of lied in the film by saying it was pretty much all him? Like, do you think Orson Welles kind of had some help in it, or? Well, yeah, that's the thing about this movie. It's like so the history of it is mm-hmm. is so dense and complex that you kind of have to do your own research to kind of understand what's exactly happening. It's kind of something. I mean, Fincher has done this before, where he's worked in a historical context um, with obviously Social Network and then Zodiac. Um, I think those are his two primary, and those are my two favorite films of him actually, of his actually. Um, but though, and those are also his two other, uh, true stories. Um, but I feel like this is to another level of like what is real and what is not real. Whereas like Social Network does this interesting thing where it, where it uses the courtroom scenes as a framing device, um, in order to say like this may or may not have actually happened. 
we're obviously making stuff up as they would have in a courtroom to see to tell our own story that we can do and take creative liberties whereas with this it's like very much so i mean they kind of do that with the way that mank looks back on his life and so you so it's it could be but it's not it's not introduced as an unreliable narrator in the same way that it does in social network um so again it does get kind of muddied in the way that like is this or is this not real the history of it is i'm i'm not sure i mean i thought i knew enough about classic hollywood but apparently i don't because i didn't know what exactly was going on the entire time of this um i will say if you want to watch something that's really about like classic hollywood watch uh the new perry mason on hbo it's way better than this i thought that was a way better interpretation of classic hollywood this seems like well, a classic hollywood from a classic hollywood like if somebody was was in the 1940s was writing a, a story about Hollywood, this is more what it would be where it's less grounded in reality and more of a fantasy of it. I don't know. I, I was not super pleased with this. I felt I felt that this whole film really uh, was falling over itself and it couldn't keep one storyline going long enough to actually develop any sort of solid, solid characters. I felt like it it didn't know how to tell its own story and it just seemed like a jumbled up mess to me it really was like I, I i could i this was this was terrible in my opinion and the only thing that somehow it, it has going for it is you actually which is funny because it ties into to fight club and i wish i would have watched fight club first then mank because then i would have caught it and i would have known what it was in mank you know they got those little dots in the, the dots, top right yeah. corner and then they actually mentioned like what those are in the reference yeah yeah so i was like what well, david fitcher loves those <laughs> yeah i think they're the only two films that actually do that so i thought that was an interesting connection too. but but uh i just i just besides that I, yeah there was nothing that that pleased me about that whole movie. It just seemed so dumb. And it was, it was a concophony of characters that, that are in it for four seconds. It's like, why am I supposed, why am I caring about this, this non sequitur here that that's happening with this guy? And who's this person now? And everybody like, yeah, again, it very much requires historical context that it's not giving you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't give you so, any context on anybody other yeah, than maybe him. Like if you don't know who William Randolph Hearst is, you're probably going to be pretty lost. Yeah. Um, so William Randolph Hearst, obviously the, the, portrait for for citizen kane in the film citizen kane and kind of like so that's what i found really interesting about this movie is the way that mank is basically like interacting i because i didn't know this so he interacts with hearst and has a relationship with hearst and then he will eventually write the greatest movie of all time based on this relationship that he's had with this with this real life person which i didn't know um because Hearst was like a huge figure and everyone obviously, and the, and that's the whole thing about this movie is like everyone is, it, everyone knows the thing that Mank is writing. Like everyone know, he, they when he shows it to them, they can pick out who the characters are that he's using um, and, because they're very much based on people of that time. And he also kind of told the whole cast in a, in a flashback scene, you know, pretty much the entire story of it, you know, while he's drunk and yeah. walking well, around and the, the table. So about that scene is that it's what well, in the in other parts of this movie, but it's using visual iconography from citizen Kane to tell its story. So there's the one, the, the most obvious one is when the Lily Collins character comes in the room and then he's holding the bottle and then he drops the bottle and it goes on the floor and then they whip pan over to the other bottles. Like that's obviously the, the opening scene of citizen Kane and is literally using the exact same oh, shot composition. Like with um, the snow globe. Yes. With the, with the, when he drops the snow globe and it's the editing and everything is literally the exact same, um, 
as as it is in Citizen Kane. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand the, that whole thing either with the with the 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 case of the alcohol and the smokes and everything. I was like, what is that motivation for him to get better so that he can't walk? I mean, he's got to yeah. walk across the, but he's getting them anyways, but because the chick's giving it to him, right? Like, the, yeah, because the point was that I think the nurses, I think what they said that they were, it was like, it was like halfway poisoned so that he wouldn't drink it, but he drank it anyways, I think is what was happening there. Really? Yeah. Because again, it's like this film isn't explaining anything that's happening to you it or, really isn't. or happening yeah. in front of you. And it's like, I, I, I didn't understand the whole point, purpose of that or what was going on with it, why everybody was... And then... It's it, to get him away from... So that's the whole thing with his drinking. So his drinking is a, th- is a theme that's threaded throughout it with him kind of like struggling against his alcoholism and then eventually succumbing to that at the end of his life, um, even though he's accomplished this great artistic achievement in writing Citizen Kane. But um, he, he never really goes past that after that. And then you get the title card that says he, he died of an alcohol-induced incident, I think, at like 55 or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I did notice the, the, the symbolism with the comparison with the dropping the snow globe to dropping the bottle. That was the only, that one. And then it seemed that the house that they kept going to, that yep. was like the, the exact house. Was that his house? I I'm thought that was the executive's house. Like the guy at MGM. I thought it was his house. Uh, it, mm, I don't know. That, see, again, it's like, whose house sure are we Hearst's at here though. for for half this It's film. gotta be Hearst's because otherwise, why would it look like Kane's if it's not that's Hearst's? What I, well, that's my point though. I was saying like that, they made that house look like the one from Citizen Kane in a lot of ways in, in, in some yeah. of the well, and again, grandiose designs. What I was saying about the ending scene on the table, um, it kind of cribs from that scene where Kane is talking to his wife and then you've got them going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth in close up, and then eventually they pull back and to see how exactly far they are apart. Mm. Um, and then you go at the you got so that you got that dinner table as a symbol in Citizen Kane, and then David Fincher is bringing that back here and using the dinner table as a symbol in this film. Um, and how how Mank is eventually kind of interacting with everybody, and eventually Hurst puts him at the end of the table, um, so he's kind of like separated from everybody else and kind of is using that again that theme of distance at the table. Um, but I think this movie compares itself to Kane in other places, I mean, and that is the poster of the film too, um, is that table. And so I was waiting the whole film to get to that table, and then it's actually the climax of the film, which is actually really interesting to me. Um, but it does say at the beginning, like right at the, I think the first act break, he's, uh, I don't know who it is that says it to him, but someone says the first act is all over the place, it jumps around in time, and it's impossible to tell what's going on. And it's like, that's got to be a metatextual comment on what's going on, because at this point in the film, of, and it's at this point in Mank, it is just jumping around. It's very unfocused. It really isn't going anywhere. I felt that, um, that everything you but, just said, every that oh, those three lines right there was the whole film, not just the first act, sure, though. I, f- fine, but I am saying that, that the film does seem to be doing that intentionally because it directly calls attention to it, which is not an excuse for that. I'm just saying I think that's what it's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think the the interesting thing about that is because it's like it is directly comparing itself to Citizen Kane. Um, it's like... But everything in Citizen Kane in that first act is very much has has a purpose. You you just have to wait for the puzzle pieces to fall into place. Mm. Um, here it's not necessarily you don't really get that. It's more it's more so like a painting. It's like a portrait of what everything of Mankin who like a character portrait. Whereas in Citizen Kane, it's both a character portrait and it's got this tightly woven plot interwoven with like where the with like who is learning what and where they are and like there's there's framing devices in Kane. That's I think that's the biggest problem with this movie. There are no real framing devices. When we're flashing back in time, there's really no motivation for it. Like, he's sitting in his bed, 
And then he's and we've got that like so the, the the problem is not the dual structure of him sitting in his bed r- typing out Citizen Kane and then the, him going back in time. The problem is that there's no motivation going back and forth between that. Again, say David Fincher. I said it before. David Fincher did this in Social Network, where like we're getting the deposition and everything we're seeing back in time is stuff that we've seen as they're talking about at deposition. Like we, you've got that framing device that brings you back and connects those two events together. Here, there is literally no framing device, and I think that's the problem where this movie kind of loses its focus and kind of loot. And again. Where with Citizen Kane when it's jumping around it and it is it, it quote unquote on focus but it's not because it's got those and the framing devices themselves are the puzzle pieces which is why Citizen Kane is so insane because it's like it's got the, it's got so many framing devices that it becomes like a, a, a maze that you have to follow whereas here it's like it's a maze that you ha- that there's no key to because there's no framing devices to follow it along with. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's go to break off. That. Yeah. When we come back, we'll give us uh, we'll give our stores for Manx. So stick around. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is more than a fun look at the week's news. We also provide you with the latest developments in medicine and beer. Bud does sound like the noise that people tend to make when they're having a heart attack. Wait, Wait, the news quiz from NPR. It might just save your life. Saturday morning at 9 and Sunday at noon on the Ideas Network. And we're back here on 90.3 WRSD-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. Gideon and I are about to give our scores for the film Mank. Uh, our first category is... Just so you know, you're making a pretty bad first impression. First impressions? Uh, my first impressions were very low for this film. Uh, not that it wasn't at least visually good looking, but besides that, story-wise, it was like almost impossible to follow. I had no connection to any characters it it seemed just very uh dead on arrival you know i would say this is maybe a two just because they tried to do some cool stuff with camera work and and the black and white choice is always nice even though this is clearly not a classic black and white camera like with lighthouse it seems like it's period accurate or at least a, a real throwback this feels like a modern camera with a black and white filter on it this actually wasn't a black I'm not, I'm not with a black and white filter on it. This actually they did shoot this on a monochrome camera. There is literally zero color fil- color version of this film that exists. Wow. Um well, I was wrong about that, but to me the the look of it just seemed that way. But yeah, I'd say a 2 2 out of 10 for my Yeah. And that's interesting though cuz there's a lot of like they've done this with like a Mad Max Fury Road, Logan, Parasite. Actually, all three of those films have black and white versions of them, and I think that's kind of like Become, I've tried watching them and it's just it's very difficult because it's like you can tell it weren't intentionally shot on black and white whereas this one was and so you get a lot of really interesting things from that um the way that like the blown out windows in this I really I really love that and the way that like white plays a role in windows and black and white always just is really great to me um and this movie kind of uses that as a thematic thing of like the haziness of Hollywood and stuff like that um I really did enjoy I I didn't really enjoy this like it wasn't a typical like the thing that you expect from Fincher is like a airtight plot usually with like a very uh connected like it's gonna it's gonna move along at a really like the pacing in Fincher movies are almost always on point um and they're the engine of them always brings you from start to finish like just takes you along rips you along the journey and it's like you're engrossed from second one and I didn't feel that from this movie like I didn't feel engrossed in what was happening um, even though I appreciate, I, I, I liked a lot of what this movie is doing and saying and trying to like, trying to do. 
Um, but just as like an emotional experience and just kind of like a visceral from a visceral perspective, like I just wasn't fully invested in Manx's character and what he's doing. And but I did. I there there is some of that though, because his alcoholism and the way that he kind of feels alone in Hollywood, and kind of his his ideological perspective is very much one that's not invited in Hollywood. And, and but he does have this like staunch. Um, cynicism that he kind of brings to every conversation or not cynicism necessarily but more like uh what's the word for it like he he, he's always quick-witted and he always has these these snappy retorts to everybody and i and i did it and you kind of see how that affects him as a character and i really am on board with that part of it um but again it's not i it it, this was overall a net disappointment for me i would say um yeah i know you were going into this even though i did enjoy it i yeah i was i was very excited for this movie um i'm gonna go with a seven for now i can see um, this aging well over time, simply because it is such a dense. The same movie. way Citizen Kane did. <laughs> well, when that came out, people didn't like it. You got to remember, yeah. it, it became known as like the best film of all time, like like fifteen, twenty years later. Yeah, because it, well, Citizen Kane is a a little bit of a different story because I feel like Citizen Kane is just like inventing so much stuff, whereas like this is more so just like. I can see the the history becoming more clear, and as a result, the story becoming more clear. Um, and I think that's like if you have to do the, it's kind of like tenet to a certain extent, where like you have to do the work to understand it a little bit. Um, although tenet, I feel like is just a little bit more enjoyable on its surface. I feel like I would rewatch tenet and do that work. This film, I would not want to rewatch. And sure, do and the I work can totally work. understand that, and I think that's probably why I like tenet more as a movie, honestly, too. Yeah. Um, but I did, I did enjoy this movie. So okay. seven is my seven. score. Next category is. And uh, again, it was, I think, story falls flat for this. Um, they they really don't need to jump around as much as they do. They throw they interject a lot of um, D-list characters that don't really have any sort of weight on any of the stories yeah, that the are happening around Yeah, the thing about those D-list characters, though, they're like, they're all, I looked I, I looked up some of the history, and they're all like huge Hollywood, like, like, for example, I think Ben Hecht is one of them, who is like the apparently like the greatest hollywood screenwriter and he kind of just shows up a little bit and like he, it's it's then david oselznick <laughs> like all these huge hollywood yeah, but figures it's all it's like, golden age hollywood people like and they have and you have to it's like the, the the historical context that comes along with them as a character like if you don't have that they don't have like they're not serving their entire purpose as a character which is like it's weird how a film like this requires so much context to fully get entirely what it's doing yeah unless you're like an aficionado of that sort of stuff you wouldn't even it does, I mean, I I don't know classic Hollywood like I do more modern Hollywood, and with with all those, um, I mean, the, all every every almost every one of those references goes over my head. And same with Mank, I didn't know who. Yeah, I had I, no idea who he was. I detest Citizen Kane. I think it's the most overrated film of all time, and it definitely doesn't deserve the moniker of greatest film of all time. I don't know whoever whoever was the first one to decide that was you know was doing a disservice to the film industry. Well, that, that's where you're wrong because it's not one person that decides that. It's like over time the entire. I I argue that nobody can nobody even a group of people can't decide what is the greatest film of all time. It's such a subjective thing. It's like art. That's like saying what's the best painting of all, all right, time. Well, we got eight minutes left. We yeah. don't exactly have time to get into the objective subject of debate. But I story <laughs> again another. Uh, you know what? Actually, this would actually probably end up as a one. 
it re- it was so impossible to it's follow. It's not that it, bad, man. It's not that it's bad. It's impossible to follow. You I have I had half the time I had no idea what was going on, who I'm even watching. Well, Who's sure, this it's, character? Who's that, that person? Why do they matter? And then they don't come back for for the rest of the film. I'm like, "Okay, so I guess they didn't matter." And it's just like the whole thing was just it was a hodgepodge that didn't know what they didn't know what they were doing. But I mean, so I, I give it a I one. Mean, okay, obviously David Fincher knows at least a little bit about what he's doing. <laughs> Like and I and I've kind of yeah, like, it, I, I've tried great, to kind of explain at least a little. I mean, so it's got you got to get a little bit more credit than like it's absolutely garbage. Like it is obviously telling a story and giving a character portrait of Mank and kind of who he was and the and the impact that he had on Hollywood. If like I sh- there's there's at least some of that there. Like even if even if you're not vibing with it, I don't think it's fine, a one. I, fine, okay, I'll give it a two. Okay, because <laughs> at least his story was somewhat followable, but everybody else was just like so random and just they they either liked him or they didn't or they started liking him and then they don't or there's some weird connect like it just it just didn't make sense they didn't take any time to develop anybody in this story and even he the main character didn't didn't get a lot of development it's it's he's doing a task half the time but they when they're trying to develop him it's it's more about the people around him and they don't make sense so it just it just was another two um I think the story in this is really interesting because you've got, again, I think the lack of a framing device between the two uh, narratives is a is a weak point for it. But I do really like what they're doing in terms of, I mean, I just explained it. I just said it just two seconds ago. So um, I'm going to go with a seven. Okay. Next category is... Acting! And uh, for acting, I think this was all right. Um, I just wish I knew who the heck was who and what was going on, you know. Uh, I would say a five for acting. Nobody was great, but nobody was, you know, outright, like, horrid. But I'd say it's a five. I mean, I think Gary Oldman's giving a pretty great performance here. And he's supposed um, to be, like, a 44-year-old, and he looks he like does he's 65. Look really yes, he does look really old for how young the character is. Yeah, that um, was a bad casting choice. That. that was a bad casting choice. Um... But I do think he is performing emotionally uh, on a level that he that is required for him for this character, and I think that really buy 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 Amanda Seyfried's character, Marion Davies. Yeah, who's, um, the, his who's the girl in the white dress? Really interesting. What? Who's the girl in that white dress? That the the character's name. Whenever he's interacting with her, which think, character in the past or in the present? In the in the past and in the present, because she comes and visits him at that place. Okay, so Marion Davies is who you're thinking of. Yeah, the girl. Yeah, the blonde girl with the. You yeah, the know, blonde that, girl. So that's um, that's Amanda Seyfried's character, and okay. I think she gives a really interesting performance because she's got like this really, uh, ha- this happy way about her, but you can tell that there's like. There is not darkness, but there is a, like you can tell that she's aware of the yeah. of the darkness of Hollywood, which is really interesting. Yeah, I think um, whenever he's interacting with her, it's solid. But besides that, rest of the film falls flat. Five yeah, I me. think his relationship with Lily Collins' character, the the the, the, the I don't know how you would say, like his the his British? typist. Yeah, the British uh, girl, Rita, Exal- Rita Alexander. I think that could have been stronger than it was. Um, because like there's a beat at the end where he she gives him a hug after she finds out that her that her husband is still alive. And I was like, yeah, that is not is, that emotional beat is not landing as as it needs to. Um, but throughout the film, I thought it was okay. Um, so I am going to go with a eight for this. I think I think performances across the board are pretty solid. And and you've got uh, you've got also don't forget Charles Dance as William Randolph Horst. And I think his performance is fascinating. Um, and he played. Uh, Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones. Oh, that's right. Okay, I did recognize his face a little bit, but I was like, I don't know where he's from. I didn't pick that up. Uh, all right, so then uh, you said an eight? 
for yeah, I, I think, think performances are great here. Okay, next category is look and feel. Uh, this one was all right. I, again, I would probably give it a five, though. Visual, Wait, uh, come on, man. I'm serious. It's like... Uh, I, I I just think it's... Uh, I thought you liked the black and white cinematography. I like the black and white, it's but I, so, it's... Like, I think it's just got the... Like, it's got the vibe of classic... Like, it's literally about classic Hollywood using the vibe of classic Hollywood. Like, it's doing... Like, it's using, it's using its visual design to communicate a purpose about what it's actually doing. So you've got, like, the... You've got, and it's also the other interesting thing is it's using the 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 mana the mana audio. It's using one audio track as you would in classic Hollywood, and that's also another really interesting thing it's doing. The score here is fantastic, um, from Trent Asner and Atticus Ross. Like I think everything about the visual design here. All right, is I'll give it a exactly six. I'll it give it a six. Be. But I, again, the black and white didn't look good. It didn't look as good as like with Lighthouse. It didn't. It just it didn't feel right. Something about it visually was bothering me with that, and that was my issue with it. And and the rest of it was okay, but it's like. I mean, Citizen Kane. The only thing that's good about it is like the the visuals of it, really. And, and yeah, the I, only thing that's good about Citizen Kane is the visuals. That's 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 always been my take on it, and that always will be. I've, I've that has never changed with me from the first time I watched it to uh, that was the only time I watched it because I never wanted to see Citizen Kane again. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyways, anyways, uh, can we fit a debate about Citizen Kane into two minutes? Um, yeah. So I think I think I get, again. David Fincher brings his typical uh, technical control here too. Yep. And just in the way that he's like blocking actors and when he's choosing to use a close up, it's just always on point. And aside from just the way that the cinematography, the 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 color grading looks, I think that alone brings this up to be like at the very least uh, proficient. And I think more than that again for the choice to way that they use the the overall to look like classic Hollywood. I'm gonna go with an eight here. Okay. Then the last category is effect. Yes. Uh, again, this one left me with no effect. I was bored yeah, I out of my mind. This I can buy that. This one's going to be a zero. This was an absolute. Oh, I don't, that's a little. Okay, what? I'm, no, that, this yeah, was a straight zero. I mean, I've done zeros before with like Princess Bride and stuff. Yeah. This this Princess got a zero. Princess Bride zeros. It, it got a lot of zeros for me, but th- <sighs> this that that category yeah, for I sure mean, gets it. Zero effect for me at all. Like it was it was so it was a biggest waste of two hours I've had in in weeks. I think. Yeah, I. I enjoyed watching this movie, although there it just it again it doesn't have that 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 propulsive energy that you that you want from a David Fincher movie. Yeah. But this feels like a type of story that that would lend itself to. Like it feels like a and you get that at some points. Like the the election scene, um, does have that to it. Um, yeah, but it, that was a good, quick way to make you hate the main character too. That whole scene. So it was like. Well, no, but it's him being lost in the in the okay whatever. But the the fact that like I think it just doesn't have what what I want from a Fincher film when it obviously feels like it's trying to be that. So like it's a different thing if it's like not doing that, but it's not trying to do that, but it is trying to do that. So that's why it doesn't quite work for me. I'm going to give this a six overall. Then uh, do you have our total scores right that puts away? Then? Our total score at a 51, which nice. makes it our second lowest rated film all time. Fantastic. Well, thank you for tuning in to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This has been Script to Screen with Max and Gideon. And coming up next is The Shuffle, so stick around.